Amanda. And this is Chris. And this is Vocal Perspective. Good evening, good morning, good day, wherever we are in our time zone or in the recording playback. Welcome to Vocal Perspective. I'm Chris, and I'm here with my co-host, Amanda. Hello. We are so excited to bring tonight's episode, today's episode. I don't even know what to say. We're just so excited to bring this episode to you. Ladies and gentlemen, please let me introduce to you, Miss Jordana Tulski. Hi, Jordana. Hey. Hello. How's it welcome. Going? I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. All the way from Toronto. Yeah, yeah. But you have to pronounce it like Toronto. There's no T at the end. I'm from Indiana. It's Toronto. (laughs) My whole life, I tried to not say Connecticut. And I just was like, this is dumb. People in Michigan, where my husband's from, they get to say anything they want, any way they want. I get to say Connecticut, and I'll say Toronto. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) how's it, A, up there, up north? How's everything going? Yeah, I'm here in my home. I like it. I dig it in my home. It's evening time. I'm looking out on the vista. I have a really nice balcony view of uh, our city. And having a good time. Excited to talk to you. That's well, let's get started with how did you end up in this world? I mean, we spent, just so the listeners know, we spent like 20 minutes talking about how we know the same people and how we got in and all of that. And so, webcams. But and webcams. And husbands that steal your webcams. It's fine. So, but <laughs> let us know, how did you find your way into this world of ours? Right. Well, okay. Where to start? I mean, I've been affiliated with the Sing Festival up here in Toronto. There's a few contingents of the Sing Festival, I think, around the globe. And Sing Festival approached me a few years ago when I had released my second album. And on that second album, there were a few vocal loop songs. And so they had approached me about doing a show at one of their festivals with my looping machine. And that's really, I I attribute me becoming a loop artist in performance to that. They asked me to do it because I really had only started using a loop machine to compose with. And then when they asked me to perform with it, then I started working on it as an instrument or a digital instrument. And then from there, it just kind of cascaded into then making an entire vocal looping album, which I've just recently released. And through my affiliation with the Sing Festival and a lot of the people there who have been longtime mentors of mine in music from before acapella, I've done acapella and choir my whole life, but I've also worked with bands and done other kind of music. And so all of that sort of came together into my affiliation with the Sing Festival. And that is how I came to meet you fine folk. Yeah, through the Sing Festival. The Sing Festival is connected with so many good people. I can't believe that it's been over a decade now that I've been hanging out with all of them and watching it's this festival so grow. It's been so awesome. It's like, you know, especially coming from, I started my professional music career in uh, the non-acapella world. And so then to transition into that, it's a little unsteady at first to move into a new genre, a new field. And you're not sure how if you're going to accept it or, or how it's going to feel, but it was so wonderfully embracing and supportive and have continued to be. I really owe them a huge debt and just the community, the acapella community in general. I find that they really do preserve the joy of singing and the joy of music. You can find that like nowhere else. So Yeah, it's good. still about making the music. Like the person who's making the music still is very, very important at the core of acapella, whereas sometimes your identity and who you are gets lost in other genres of professional music. Not that I haven't loved sure. it, but it's just, it's not as much about your identity. But when it's acapella, it's like, and it's your voice, it's so intimately yours that you cannot separate the artist from it. And I think there have been times in my acapella career 
or journey that I've been like, I don't know if I could meet more people. Like, I think I'm saturated. <laughs> I've met my match and then I'll go to another event. And there's like six more groups that I've never heard of in my life. And I'm now adding them to my playlist. So that's cool. I also find, yeah, really the preservation of the performance. It's about performance, not about branding. It's not about your socials, although whatever, that's still an important feature of artistry these days for some reason. But like, yeah, really the elevation of performance is so present in acapella. It's expected that that performance is there or better or something, you know, every time, whereas it's not just, oh, they didn't sound like my record. Well, you know, it's mm -hmm. not that. It's, I don't know, it's, you go to acapella performances or you just go to those performances for a different experience. It's just yeah. something else. Yeah. yeah. And I do find, I mean, to, to what you were saying about how you find, you know, you meet different people and then you're like, oh, I got, now I got fun. I have found with vocal looping that every artist approaches looping in such a different way. And even if you're using the same equipment, the way that they use that equipment is so different and so unique that it really is hard to match one to another. And so that is what makes it so compelling and wanting to follow all these different artists because of how different it is when it's just your voice. And also now uh, with what I do, voice plus machine, the way that people approach it is so different. So it can be very cool and diverse. So tell us a little bit about your approach then, because we're here to talk a little bit about your album, but I've seen a couple of live loopers, but yeah, you're right. Everybody has their own take. So what is your I started working with this machine, the Roland Boss RC505. I'll just give you a little backstory. After I saw a jazz artist, Cyrilla M.A., I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's based in the U.S. She's French, but based in the U.S. I had seen her working with it, and I, at that time, was working in the jazz realm. And I really liked what she was doing, and I asked her about it, and she told me the machinery. And it was initially as a composition tool, not because I was setting out to do looping, but I just needed a fast way to document musical ideas in the songwriting process. And then out of that, as I said, working with the Sing Festival, then I started doing it live. And basically my ethos with using the machine is to not have any pre-recorded sounds, that it's all natural sound made by my voice. And so I'm not really a beatboxer. I mean, I can do, vo I call it vocal percussion, but I wouldn't call myself, a, no, I'm not a beatboxer. And the sounds that I make are to emulate the choral parts that I want to hear in my arrangement. That's how I approach looping. It's so that I can get through a song so that I can perform a song on my own. Um, without the band, you are the band. The band. Yeah. yeah, that's really how I approach it. It's from an arrangement-minded base. So with a wire background, and I suppose with a bit of a jazz spin, because I have been a jazz singer, that's kind of what I do with looping, and everything's on the spot, and it's sort of harmony-based as opposed to melody-based when I'm when I'm composing. Sure. <laughs> How did that translate into an album? When people think of a looper, it's, it's a very much a, a live thing. So mm. where did the album come from? Well, okay. So as I said, back when the Sing Festival asked me to perform on, on my last album, I had a few loop songs, because I had started working with the machine in order to compose with. But then when I was working with my producer on that album, we left some of them as the acapella vocal looping songs. And then the rest of them, we converted into band tracks. So then after some time passed and, you know, I was compiling ideas on my loop machine because that's how I cull or uh, document musical thoughts is on this machine. I sing them out. He had been, his name's Justin Abbott and my producer, he had been encouraging me to explore doing a full vocal looping album. And so I had some of the pieces, some of the ideas were on the loop machine, musical thoughts, all vocal looped. And then from time to time, I would try to extract and make them into MIDI or use the, the keyboard to hammer out ideas. But basically, I brought them to Justin and we started working through the ideas. He just suggested, like, keep it a cappella and just do a vocal looping album. And so we culled through all the different ideas. In some cases, there were finished songs that I brought to him. In other cases, there were really like one line ideas, just like, what do you think of 
this groove? What do you think of this line? And talking about the lyric, the one line lyric that I had, okay, what's that about? And it was a really cool pre-production session, him and Sarah McCulley, who I co-wrote with, these songs together. And there were a lot of songs, but we narrowed them down to an EP to six songs for this EP. And yeah, just kind of worked together on getting the songs into the best shape that they could be in. Then I went into the studio and recorded them. And subsequent to that, then I sort of relearned how to loop them. Because when I went into the studio, you know, you have the pleasure, I guess, the luxury of stopping and starting. But when you're performing <laughs> it live, you got the machine, it's go time, go. And you also have a certain amount of time before you lose the audience's attention. Like you've got to figure out how you can get the most out of, maximize the time to lay down those loops and then start singing the song. So from what we have on the album to doing it live is also a secondary process. Yes, it's been, it's, it's a whole fun, it's a really lengthy project of like coming up with the material on the loop machine, then getting the songs in their best form and recording the songs and then figuring out how to loop, how to perform the loop version of those. I feel like I was very lazy during the pandemic, listening to all of the things that you've done. Listening to just like the first few seconds of each of your tracks, I am like, oh my gosh, I have the anxiety of, I try to go out and perform and do one part and you're out there and you have an entire band that you are creating and it's gorgeous. It's got a Sarah Bareilles vibe to me. Oh, it's yeah, it's just, that's what jumps out at me, but it's so incredible to think about all the groups I've sung with where people who could be lead singers, but they're super cerebral. So they're like all in their heads with the arrangements. But then <laughs> I feel like that's what loopers are. I feel like they're those people because you can't be out of your head. Like you can't just let go completely, but you have to because you want to perform and engage your audience. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about, oh, man? because I lose myself sometimes in performing and black out for a few seconds. And I'm like, I wouldn't work in the looping world. Love that question. And that's very insightful. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head. So yeah, I... <laughs> Where do I even start with that? You're absolutely right that it's very hard for me to get out of my own head. Even when I have the luxury of a band behind me, I still find it hard to get out of my head. Although more so now that I have the experience of being my own band and having all that. But I actually find it, it's like a good way to funnel my neuroses into, okay. That's exciting, you know, yes. Yeah, okay, I gotta do all this stuff. And then it's almost like, you know how you, your best performances happen when you are out of yourself and you are not so focused on all of the BS. <laughs> so I find that, Having to maneuver the machine and dealing with all the tech stuff is in a way, a way to divert away from all that other anxiety. In a very what a cool perspective, really, because it's a cope, you know, a coping, but it creates an art. Like for me, it would create mess probably, but maybe it wouldn't, you know, maybe that's it. Oh, it's oh, damn. There's definitely mess. Like you, you have, it's like a 50, 50, especially when you're learning how to do it, it's all mess, but then eventually you get through the hump and, and it becomes more rote. And then it's just that thing that you do, but totally. It's, it's fascinating it's to watch for me. And I love that you mentioned that you only have so much time before you lose your audience. Mm -hmm. It's true in all art forms and all forms of acapella. We talk but about But I mean, that. for me, like there have been loopers that lose you. You're like, oh, okay. I've heard this. Okay. When are we getting to the fun part? Oh gosh. I have that anxiety as a performer and a listener because I understand that. And I actually think that's why I will often rush the tempo, whether I'm doing it by myself or with a band. I'm always so eager to just get going because I feel like Okay, people are getting impatient. Oh, no, it's just me who's impatient. I'm putting on my own. <laughs> That's that really is. is an important question to ask yourself as a performer. Like, is it my impatience or is the audience actually giving me that? Because, I mean, we all know as artists, we give as much to our audience as we take from them. So, like, if we're taking from them and we're not giving back or vice versa, it can. And sometimes performances <laughs> just fall flat. But let's, yeah. you know, but, but let's dive in a little bit. 99% of like, the time, it is yeah. your own impatience with yourself. Yeah. 
just talking to, totally. I run AV for a church and they have just incorporated all of these videos and live things and Zoom and there's like 800 things going on at one time. So I've told them, once you get up to your microphone or the podium, count to three and then start. And they're like, that feels like so long. Yes. Beforehand, they're like, one, two, three. Oh, that's fine. We can count to three. And then you get up there and you see them and they're like, I'm still counting. Why am I still counting? <laughs> People are looking at me. They're waiting for me to start. I need to hurry up. It really is. So it is incredible. I think settling into the space, what you said, Chris, yeah, feed to your audience. You set the vibe. And if you are just cool with the space and taking the time that you need, the audience I've found will pretty much they'll go with it. Maybe there will be some people that won't, but then that's not your audience. And the people in your audience who are your audience are going to be down with it. And right. one thing I found is like part of this looping journey has been all about that. It's just me with me. I can't really criticize anyone else because the band, it's, it's me. So I have to learn how to deal with my own stuff, you know, because it's all about that, what you're putting out and getting in. So it's been a great journey to realize that and learn that. And it's a constant exercise in every performance. Right. And I think if you stop and remember for most of your shows, people are coming because they know you're going to be on the show and they want <laughs> to enjoy what you're doing. You know, maybe if it's at a festival, that's when you have that different pressure and my world of barbershop and that kind of competition. There is this thinking too much, whatever, like caring too much what other people are thinking in that moment because they came to see you. They came to watch what you have to do. Just give it to them. Stop trying to anticipate what they're going to think about what you haven't already done yet. Just do it. Yeah. Get out of your own way. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Oh yeah. Yeah. Festivals are hard. I found the sonics of working with a loop machine on a festival stage to be very uh, problematic. Oh gosh. I dread it. I mean, it's great. The feeling when it goes right, but there's just i uh, I've learned a little bit about tech, not a lot, but a little and dealing with the distortion and all the feedback that happens with the machine. It's just when it goes wrong, it's so dreadful. Do you guys ever deal with lag with the machine? I mean, pushing a button, it's delayed yeah. and like you're waiting for it to come through the PA and you're like, Oh my God. Like, well, do you deal with that much? You have in-ears, I'm sure, but. Yeah, I started, exactly. I started working with in-ears because having the monitor on stage would have, I still do find, even with the in-ears, that the mains, as they're faced out, I still hear them. And so when I'm trying to set the tempo, so I got this whole thing where I use, what did I devise? Sometimes when I was working with both in-ears in, my intonation would be slightly off. Then somebody at Long and the Quaid, which is a music rental shop here, suggested have one in-ear in and one ear plug in. Not out in the open, but an ear plug. Oh, so you're and blocked. Yeah. And you're only hearing yourself. How and was that? that? Was, well, so that was perfect when I was doing my in-home, I've done some in-home videos. Great. Then when I was recently in a theater, a soft theater, it didn't work so well. And I actually found it's a constant, just figuring out the songs. I had to use one inner in and one full ear out, but then with that ear out, it would reverberate the main. So it's just, that's what I've discovered is every single venue presents a different problem. Every single sound engineer you work with is going to have a different approach to how to amplify your whatnot. And so it's just a lot to handle at that. Point. Don't skip those sound checks, everybody. Oh my gosh, please don't. Uh, Coming from a sound engineer, please don't <laughs> skip the sound check. Yeah. And I don't know if you found this. Sometimes I find sound engineers to be a little dismissive and it's hard. For, I've had to figure out, I've tried in, in my way to sort of roll in with everything as rigged up as I can make it. So I just hand off, you know, some cables. Okay, please do this but it does it never works out that simply there's always some kink and sometimes it's hard to speak up for yourself that's another thing that i've learned about i wouldn't consider myself a techie or like a, a woman in tech but i am operating some tech and i am a woman so dealing with that in a male-dominated field presents its challenges 
I will say, because, you know, I don't know, I don't fully know what I'm talking about. So sometimes I, oh, maybe I'm the one who's wrong here, but then. But you know enough to stay in your lane. You know what I mean? You know enough to be like, hey, this is my car. I drive it every day. Can you not tell me how to start it? You can tell me what kind of a mechanic you are and what is wrong with my car, but I can drive it. Like you don't have to drive the car for me. So I think it is important to understand that whoever you are, but you're right. It's a male dominated field. Oh, it definitely is. And it's different how they communicate. I love them all, but they communicate differently. I haven't had enough experience dealing. It's all, yeah. It's because I haven't had a lot of experience dealing with other gender engineers. It could be that it's a personality thing and not a gender thing. But when you're both under pressure to get something done, no matter your gender, it's just tough. And then- And that field is highly dominated by personality types that do not play well with others. My (laughs) husband is one and he would be like, yeah, I get it. Yep, I'm one of them. So- But I mean, I live it. I mean, even though I'm often the one behind the board anytime i have to interact with people they are trying to it's almost like when i deal with male engineers they're trying to figure out they're like okay so clearly you know something but let me poke around and figure out where your knowledge ends and then i will belittle you or i will try to pull one over on you and i run into that so often and i think it comes down to like do you know the saying they're talking about how if there's a job posting and there's eight requirements for the job and a guy meets one of them he'll apply for the job and if a woman won't unless she meets all eight requirements and i feel like a lot of that happens in tech. So my husband is also an engineer and he's much more the technical brain and I'm much more the the logical big picture. And we're building a new system and he can go into a network and plug things in and be like, we need to do this and we need this cable. And I'm like, I just want it to work. And then he'll hit a block and he'll be like, nope, that's impossible. And immediately my brain goes, well, what about, what if we tried this? And every time it's just, his face is just like, seriously, I'm the tech person here. And then, you know, when he hits that wall, it's like, well, what about this? (laughs) I mean, we do, even when you don't, and I want to encourage women because I think women will see what you're doing and see all of the buttons in front of you and go, I don't know if I could ever do that. That seems really complicated, but I think we all bring something different to the table. And the the trick is to not get intimidated by these men that think they know everything. Yeah. And to not get off (laughs) the topic here, because I want to stay right in this lane, but I know a lot is changing in the tech world, especially in the music tech world. And Amanda, you can speak to this too, is that they're trying so hard to change lingo and how they word things and how we even reference how you plug in a cable and what it's called. And I think it's important to even acknowledge that there is a past in the engineering world, even in my computer engineering, my husband talks about it all the time. I mean, I guess I can just throw some out there. There's slave and master and grooming. There's like all these strange terms that have terrible meanings and they don't need to be in the audio engineering world and they don't need to be in the computer engineering world. And so they are grappling with changing how they even talk about about it, but I think it's important to acknowledge that how you talk about things and how you reference things set up the culture of your work or where you're working, your environment, and how if you use degrading terms about human beings and yet you work with human beings, you're more likely to be degrading to those human beings. To me, I wanted to put that out there since this is our vocal perspective show. This is something that really, I've just sat on the, a woman in tech but I have to tell a bunch of tech people what to do. And it's it's very similar to be like telling them what to do. It's something that has to change. And I think it comes from just acknowledging it first that it's even been a problem. And I, I think I'd like to there. pass on if there's a takeaway here, like I would hope that people interested in looping, if they are female or not, just mm-hmm. to maybe educate yourselves. I wish I there would have go. had some more background, but also just dealing with people. It doesn't, even in the arts, a job's a job and just dealing with people. Be a nice person, be uh, helpful, and I, compassionate. Yeah, I 
person. Yeah, you hit it when you said maybe it's just a personality thing. And I think the more we understand people's yeah. personality and like actually take that I think that so. Part, I actually would prefer that that be with the t- Yeah, I believe that more than the divide of gender. Because really our gender doesn't, I mean, again, for me, gender doesn't really, being a girl or identifying as a she or a woman, I can't find much in my personality type that it specifically affects. There's mm-hmm. some motherly just instincts that I have that I guess come along with carrying those genes, those chromosomes. But in general, my personality type, I think is pretty neutral. I don't think it has. I think that too for me. I would say that as well. So there you go. It came full circle because I kind of disprove and think for singers. But I know what you just said was like, it's really not. Yeah, it's not gender. Really, It really is just about, I think the coming in with knowledge is so important for everybody. If you want to. And respect. Yeah. If you want to be respected, just be able to have the respect for the people that you're working with to be able to like at least educate yourself on what you do need instead of just walking in there and being like, wait, but aren't you the sound engineer? It's like, well, yeah, but maybe they have never mixed for a live looper before. So maybe go in there and be able to have a little bit of compassion and a little bit of patience and a little bit of knowledge (laughs) to help them out. Yes. For me, patience is the hardest. Oh, I'm so impatient. I hate the patience part. Chris knows nothing about that. Chris is the most patient person I've ever met. I'm pretty good. I'm what pretty good. Patience is a virtue. But my yeah. husband is the most patient person I know. He's the most patient. Oh, well, that is the best when you have someone who's patient, but then it's not you, but they are. That's great. Yeah, I hate his pace. <laughs> I hate his pace. <laughs> That's good. So this yeah. album is awesome. Your cover art, can I just say, your website, I'm in love with your website. I want my house to be the colors of your website and to be with <gasps> so much color and just, who is your photographer? What great photographer I... you had. That's so great. Oh, I love to say, I actually, that's so uh, good timing. I actually did a little Instagram post. I haven't posted yet, but talking about the visual art, because yeah, people have dug it. I can tell you about it. Look, it's right. Well, this is my video, but I'm holding. Sure, sure. So the photographer, her name is Galit Rodan. She's based in Toronto. She's a wonderful photographer. She actually, she does a lot of investigative journalism or like kind of, yeah, like reported, reportive journalism. But I I knew her when we were kids and I wanted to work with her. And so I did. And yeah, she's wonderful. Thank you. I think she's great. Yeah, Galit Rodan. R-O-D-A-N. Very excellent. And I feel like it really hits all the vibes of your album. Your album is not, it doesn't have that. It's got groove always. It's got emotions up and down, but it it definitely, it has this fun, lighthearted, just whimsical quality to it. And that's what your art and your website scream. So I just wanted to tell you way to be on brand because I knew you were talking about how like, you have to do it because you do. It's the evil, right? It's (laughs) not what any of us acapella cerebral people ever thought we would ever have to worry about. It's not what we were going to have to do, but it is the evil of today. And I think the beauty of yours is that you can stay true to yourself. And I think you, you seem really happy about it and you don't seem like you have to like be fake or like sell it. It's your art. And I think that's what we want to see. At least that's what I want to see. Thank you. Yeah. I actually did that website myself. I was involved in the graphic. I was involved in the decision-making around it. And I also had input from, I would call them my team, my producer and co-writer. We had discussions around it. And so they are, I find they're very, very valuable. They're seasoned. And so I I like to listen to them. But then also just being involved in the process, I think shows because I can look at the stuff I did before when I wasn't as involved. And I think I feel a little more detached from that. And it is really fun for me, actually. I like, I love making music videos. And that's a different kind of multimedia. I love being involved in the artwork of the album. And it's all art. It's almost not more fun. I won't say more, but it's a different kind of fun when it's not your main 
art. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, because it's just like, well, I, I can, I sort of follow my intuition more and I don't judge it as much because it's, well, it's not really my thing, but here's what I'm thinking about it. And that ends up being fun. So thanks for saying. And when you like it, it's a bonus. So of do course. you have a particular track that you like? I mean, I have a favorite, but you can pick whichever one you want. Oh, please. I'd love to know what your favorite is. Hear that. My favorite is Honey. Okay. It is my absolute favorite. I love it. It gets me so just, I don't know. I have all the motions with it. I just, I can get ready. I can chill out. I can relax. I can drive my car and not want to scream at everybody. I can play it and dance around with my kids. It's just a really cool track. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, definitely. Honey, well, that song was so written with Justin and Sarah, and it started as something else, and we kind of stripped it down. It was one of the few songs that I had tried to convert to a band, like a songwriter on the keyboard. But then it was just like, nah, this is just, just take it to the loop, loop machine. And the themes of the songs on the album are about identity and being at home with yourself and finding the paths to home, empowerment, coming to terms with yourself. And so Honey is the last song. And it's this mantra to myself of finding your own source of strength and support, finding that thing for yourself, your own mantra of goldenness, because life is too short to waste your time. So that's kind of what the song is about. If you're looking for outside sources of validation or guidance, it's just not going to work. You have to look within and find the empowerment within yourself. That's what the song's about. I now think I get why it hits me for all seasons of my day because you can see both sides. Like it's the peak. You're at the peak of the mountain where you're like, you can see where you came from. You can see where you can go. You're going to be there. Like there's hills and there's valleys. It's just up to you to be able to see both sides. It really it just knocks me out of any moods I'm in, like whether I'm just anything. It just really helps me. I think artists should know that. For me, all music is therapy. This idea of music therapy, to me, music's always been there. And so, of course, I think music therapy should be there. I think we all use music therapy more than we know. And for me, I think it's as an artist, I love to hear when music affects my listeners in a way that's therapeutic. And I think your music is definitely, there's a meditative part to looping for me that really puts us puts me into, it's kind of like white people like techno. There's always something there, right? In looping with vocal loopers, there's always something you can hold on to and go back and be like, oh, yep, it's still this song. I love it. But then you're listening for that next thing that zaps you. You give oh, us all of that. Thank you for those kind words. That just means so much. That's uh, very cool. That's cool. Anytime. So let's take a listen to Honey by Jordana Tulski. The time you spend worrying what's wrong with yourself. That's just the garbage stinking up your house. The heart you give to people who cast you off. That's just cause you don't know your own worth. I put my money down on a humpback's ocean climb. She said, honey, don't waste your time. And I bet it all on the Barbie Lions Prime. She said, honey, honey, don't waste your time. When you walk in a room, stride through the middle of the door. The way you're fighting, it's like junk in your purse. Look them in the eyes, you have a right to your space. You just let them bear their own way If you put your money down on 
my periwinkles chimed She'll say, honey, don't waste your time And if you bet it all on the comfort of a porcupine She'll say, honey, honey, don't waste your time just love it it's my favorite thank you so much that's very that means so much that's really cool great thank you our (laughs) listeners are gonna dig that it's gonna have to go in the rotation that song my brother he's supportive and a fan but the looping is not his main thing but he did he thinks is the best he's not alone well jordana it has been a pleasure speaking with you as our listeners probably can hear i'm not doing much speaking because my voice is a little off today but i'm glad that chris was able to ask most of our questions for us but it's been such a pleasure to have you on and i can't wait for us to be able to come up to sing toronto and spend some more time oh yay thank you this just flew by i had such a pleasure speaking with you and thank you for having me i feel the bond you know the acapella (laughs) bond it is strong i hope that you're feeling well for your gigs vocal rest lots of tea you know no gigs for 18 months and then i have three and this is what my voice does to me it's fine it's just it's part of 2020 2021 hopefully not part of 2022 right but for all of our listeners out there we will see you next tuesday see you next tuesday